2: Hi, this is Lindsay Levinson. I am your host here at Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets, and I welcome you to the show. And if you're a first-time listener, I'm thrilled to have you. If you've been listening and building this community that's growing pretty fast, that's awesome. So thanks for being here today as well. I want to give you Facebook address, which is Illuminating Now, all one word, and a Twitter address, which is the at sign sign illuminating now all one word and I will be introducing my guest in a few minutes but I am just going to give you sab law office that's s as in sam a b is in boy the word law office sablawoffice.com and we might have a little bit of uh, sound on the air here so I do apologize about that if that is happening I want to thank you guys so much for listening and following and sharing and participating and I have just been thrilled in fact John Edward Lawson he's some one of the ones who's won a few times on his answer um but he has gotten so excited about the show that he wrote and told me he's he's sending it to a blog which has five syndicated stations and 50,000 more people so Um, A lot of excitement around not just the show, but the people's voice, you know, that you guys can go to Facebook and please do, please go to Illuminating now because there are ways to get involved in the threads and talk and we talk about you and your voice on this show. So the show is becoming a vehicle for a lot of people's voices as well as our guest I want to give you my personal website, Quality for Life Coaching. Those are four words, no numbers, no spaces. Qualityforlifecoaching.com. There is going to be a new look and feel for that site, and it's pretty exciting, and I think you will really, really dig it. So you've got to check it out, and I would love feedback, but just for sure go check it out because it's a whole, a whole new world at qualityforlifecoaching.com. I am up for Skype sessions, phone sessions, local sessions, and certainly can do a complimentary session with you, as can our guest, and she can talk more about that in a moment. So there will be a Lindsay's Life secret on this show, maybe one or two, you never know. I will introduce our guest, and what I want to say before I do that is that we did a show in February, on February 26th, and... uh, It was regarding divorce, divorce law, divorce alternatives, how to stay out of court, some options, and this Bay Area prestigious attorney Sunana Saberwal was on the show, and it was off the hook. That show got a lot of attention in a lot of ways, and it continued on for you know into a couple months later. People were still sort of having a rush around that show. A lot of feedback. So I have Sunana. Sabarwal, attorney, on again, and we are going to do a two-part series covering some other issues. There are so many court issues with regard to divorce, custody, relationships, you know, what's the status? Is it marital or non-marital? What happens? You know, it's just so interesting, and to get a lawyer and get this information that you can take notes and really start to learn something without actually having to go find that attorney in the phone book or in your Google, it's, it's a big plus. I want you to take the uh, site name again, Sab, S-A-B, Law, Office, sablawoffice.com. I'm going to read you a brief bio, and then we're going to introduce Sunana Sabrawal. Ms. Saberwal has enjoyed the practice of law in California since 1990, and she's done family law for over 15 years. She handles complex cases. Um, She certainly can handle the simple ones, but I've known her for many, many years, and the complexity of some of these cases blow me away what she does. and so Things regarding asset division, division of interest in startup companies, complex spousal support issues, and child custody cases. She is very creative and strategic so she works well with complexity and um and and she also has one of the biggest hearts that I know of so that's the right person to have on your side. Ms. Cyberwall handles general civil litigation, employment litigation, and injury cases. So the broad range that she has delved into and learned and got experience and contributes to allows her to pursue these creative avenues of legal representation. She does have her bachelor's from University of California, Berkeley, and a law degree, of course, from University of California, Hastings College of the Law. So... She is located in Berkeley, California, and again, if you go to her website, and I recommend you do just to check her out. It's always good to know a good attorney, and when you're done listening, you'll know she's a good attorney, and it's good to know one, and certainly whether you need to use her or there's um, any issues. So let's welcome you, Sunana. I am so glad you are back here to discuss divorce issues, and there are just so many, so welcome back.
3: Well, and thank you very much for that introduction.
2: (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. You know, we we have discussed divorce before, and today we're going to discuss what happens when you're not married, but you've been living with someone for a long time, and now you find that the relationship is over. And so I speak to you listeners, you know, are there rights that maybe you have, or you don't know if you have, or... You don't know if the other person's going to take your rights if, if you aren't really formally married, but you've had a very long-term relationship. This might be called common law. Some of you might have heard that term, or palimony, um, non-marital status. What if you're that person who cared for the home and the private life, or worked without compensation in your partner's business, and you find yourself with nothing in the end? No home, no savings. Or what if you're the person who worked for years and years, supporting someone else, and they weren't working? But you might feel like you shouldn't have to continue paying for that person. Maybe you feel you already did too much. Do you worry about the house? What if you're not on the title? Was it your house since even before the relationship or even during? Did you make any transfers to the title or anything that you might be wondering now what's going to happen? Did you make the investment payments? Did you think it was in your name and you were protected? You know What do you know, what don't you know, and what happens with what reveals itself? What about the business you might have had and worked so hard to build? Then maybe you had a romantic partner who helped you from time to time, but can that person take your business from you? Or maybe you worked for your partner, but you never got a paycheck. Do you even qualify for unemployment or Social Security? Because I don't think you do, so what happens if that was the situation? So, this is pretty scary stuff. If it's happening to you, I think there's some fear there. And certainly um, the unknown. You know, it's uncertain no matter what side of the relationship you're on how this is going to go. So, again, I, I think Sunana has taught me palimony, common law, cohabitation, non marital status, different ways this can be termed. Can we start with basics and have you share with us about? these kinds of situations, Susanna.
3: Yes, and and I want to say that I am going to be focusing mainly on California law. That's where I practice, and I don't want to say anything really about any other state, because I don't have any information about that. What I do know is, well, first of all, let's talk about what is common law marriage. There are a very few handful of states in, in the country that recognize common law marriage. It's basically two people getting together and saying, we consider ourselves to be married, holding themselves out as being married, dealing with each other as married couples often do. And, and the laws in those handful of states basically say, well, then you are married. For all purposes and all effects, you are married. Some of those states are Alabama, Montana, Colorado. There are a few more. But we don't have that in California. It was abolished in in 1896, I believe it was. So there is no common-law marriage recognized. So then the question arises, well, what happens when people live together? People don't always get married. They choose to remain unmarried for many different reasons, and but they continue to do many of the kinds of things for one another that married couples do. So in California, what we have, we call this kind of a relationship. It's referred to by courts in the case law as non-marital relationships, cohabitation, Marvin actions, and that may sound a little funny, but that's based on a key case that arose in the courts of appeal in the 1970s where an, where actor Lee Marvin cohabitated with um, a young actress, a budding actress, who basically gave up her career to be his non-married partner, and they lived together for five years. And then when that relationship fell through, she sued him. Now, while, while she wasn't very successful in that case, that case was really important because it created a lot of law around this area. And basically... The law is described in that case that governs these kinds of relationships is contractual. So, the issue is really whether or not a man and woman, or man or a man, or a woman and woman, entered into an agreement to share their efforts and their property. That's really the key crux of these kinds of cases. The core philosophy or or, or legal legal. Uh, philosophy is that it is a contract in nature, and it can be an agreement that's in writing, it can be an oral agreement, or it can even be implied by the party's conduct. And now, these relationships are often between romantic partners, but it doesn't really have to be. The core concept, again, is whether or not there was an agreement to share parties' efforts and their assets.
2: So, I mean, that... That just sounds like, and I'm I'm interested to hear you go on. But when you say oral or the conduct, these these things seem so. I don't know if I'll go. Maybe I've said that word before. Unprovable, you know, abstract. Who defines that? So I guess. And I may be interrupting you. Tell us more. What, so what would that mean? Conduct or oral? Because you could say to someone every day, I love you or we'll be together forever, right? Or, you know, so what, what defines and differentiates conduct or an oral agreement? What, what goes into those categories?
3: Well, and it's true that it, these agreements are rarely in writing. They just aren't. People don't don't put these agreements in writing unless they're people with very high assets who have lawyers around them all the time who point out maybe you need something to protect your assets. Most people don't have these agreements. So, if somebody is the out person, the person who's sort of stranded there without anything at the end of the relationship, what recourse do they have? They have to show there was some sort of either oral agreement or that the agreement was implied by the conduct. What does that mean? Well, oral agreements are words people say to each other. You know, I consider you know if you if you uh, put your sweat equity into this house, you know, I will you I consider you to be a part owner. That would be an example of an oral contract. Um, if you do this, I'll do that. And, and that's that would be the oral piece of it. You know, the problem with those kinds of agreements are that these kinds of conversations people have typically are not done in front of witnesses. So you typically have a he said, she said situation. So then as lawyers, we look to, well, what was the conduct? You know, what, how did these parties, did, did their conduct support these words that they spoke to each other. And so then we start to look at how the parties arrange their lives, how they arrange their finances, whether or not they gave something up and um and to somebody else's benefit and that's sort of how we create these these um I want to say stories and I don't mean stories in a negative way, but really presenting a case like this requires telling you know, a really good story that, that would be persuasive that these parties really had expectations and they each had an intention to have an agreement where they would be sharing with the other person either their efforts or, you know, their things.
2: And And does this, you know... If you can prove this, I mean, again, and to me, I, it sort of spins in my head when I think about it, because I think about it. Well, if, what if you took trips together every year? What if you, again, gave diamond rings or wrote I love you in every single card? I mean, so, again, and conduct is, yeah, did they invest in anything together? Did they do a business together? Did they make plans to buy a timeshare for life? Like, So there's all kinds of things, but, you know, is there something that wins a case or is it really as what I'm going to call sort of arbitrary as it sounds like it's just depends on how well you tell the story, how, you know, right. Cause isn't, I mean, isn't that the proof, these kinds of commitments you make together or maybe an investment or maybe a trip or, you know, those, those kind of things, or is it something much deeper that really reveals conduct that would be relevant in a courtroom?
3: Well, I think that you know, an occasional trip or a short-term relationship is not going to be um, is not going to support you know an agreement like this. It's really a long history of conduct, and that's why when we look at these cases as lawyers. And there aren't that many lawyers that do these kinds of cases, by the way. It's not something that's governed by family law. Um, family law rules don't apply. The family law courts typically uh, do not handle these cases. One can file them in a family law court where your matter is decided by a judge, not a jury. But these cases, I believe, are more successful if they're done if they're uh, presented to a jury, so it would be a civil case filed in a civil court of law, where you have a right to a jury to hear the evidence and to make a decision about whether or not there were these agreements. And I think that makes a lot of sense because people, you know, people who uh, decide decide your fate, um, which would be a jury, are people from you know they live they they have similar lives. That's the whole foundation behind a jury system is that you're having a trial by your peers, and people understand how how people how people make agreements and, um, you know, as opposed to maybe judges who are trained in and more used to just dealing with uh, the written agreements and and written laws. So um, I might be digressing here a bit, but I mean, so, so we're really talking about a long history of right. of conduct. Okay, right. so what are the kinds of things that you would show to to prove such a case or to disprove such a case? You yeah, want to talk yeah. about testimony. What is each side saying happened during the relationship? Were there other people who witnessed things? Family members, friends, things like that. How how did the parties conduct themselves? Did they ever talk about uh, you know this house is mine as much as it is hers? or vice versa, uh, you know, did they say, oh, yeah, we're, you know, I'm going to take care of her or him. Um, these are kinds of things for which there can be witnesses. But, again, it's not necessarily how people talk to one another. So what we really want to see is a, a pattern of what they did. So, for example... Uh, someone stays at home, we're really looking for people who are, someone staying at home or helping in a business, we're looking for give up. That's one of the big things that we're looking at. We're looking for people who are giving something up, I think, for somebody else's benefit.
2: And And what what categories? I mean, what, you know, because give up can mean a lot of things, so share some of what that means.
3: Example: You you have a career and you meet someone and that person says, Hey, you know, uh, come come be with me, you know, don't have that uh, career where you're traveling around the country, you know, we'll live together, we'll, we'll we'll enjoy our lives together, and and you can be with me and you can help me in my business or you can help me with my career. I, I can I have the potential to earn more than you, so let's focus on me, okay? And I'll take care of you. That I gotcha. would be you know an example, and then you actually see all the. Con- conduct for years and years that that supports that agreement. Yes, he paid the bills or she paid the bills, and he or she, uh, um, you know, uh, put somebody on their bank accounts or made them a beneficiary to life insurance policies or made them beneficiaries to a retirement accounts, And everything sort of that, that those parties did suggested that that was actually the agreement. So it supports the words that were said. The conduct supports the words. Um, That
2: would be an example of that. Yeah, which still, couldn't each person still, though, have the exact same story just with little tiny pieces switched around so it changes everything? Like, you know, he did say this to me or she didn't say that to me. Whatever it is. In other words, they could have the same story. Yes, we've been in this house for 20 years. Yes, we do take trips. But each one, I, I just... How does somebody delineate when the guy is saying, you know, she asked me to handle her paycheck. She said she always gets confused since she's a child, and she just was so thrilled to get a partner who would do that. And she says, he's had my paychecks all this time, I, I, and he says he invests, and we lost a lot, so there's really nothing to pay me now. You know, how, how, who delineates? Who decides? Is it just credibility or character in the courtroom?
3: Well, that's some of it. That is certainly some of it, but there are also other legal theories that that allow someone recovery. For example, in the scenario that you gave gave me, where somebody is giving, you know, maybe they get a little paycheck and they give it to their their partner and that per, to invest because they're a bed, better investor, more savvy, you know, and then they do this for twenty years and then all of a sudden. You know, the person who's been managing all the finances says, I don't want to be with you anymore. Please leave the home, you know. So (laughs) there are theories of the law that protect someone against something like that, and that would be the concept of we call it a constructive trust. You have entrusted something to somebody to manage for you, to hold, to try to grow for you, or to use for your benefit, and instead they keep it. And that would be, you know, so the court would say, well, I'm imposing a constructive trust on this money, and you now need to pay that person back. Okay, with interest. Um, so there, are, there are other concepts in the law. While con- con- contract is the main concept, there are other forms of uh, of of, of uh, legal theories that would allow someone to recover, depending on the specific conduct in that case. And I really have to say that each one of these cases is so different; can be so different from another. Um, and I, I really do think that lawyers. Lawyers who do handle these cases screen them probably pretty well um, because you can't, obviously, no one expects, you know, you to be in a short relationship and then be dealing with a lawsuit. Okay, that's, right. that's not, it's just not common. So key features of the cases that make them maybe meritorious would be longevity, which we touched upon already, showing a long pattern of a relationship. The give-up, I think, sacrifice is really important on many levels because there's a concept in contract law that you're giving something up to get something. So it serves that uh, purpose. But also, I think, also on on an equitable basis because many of our laws, especially contract laws, are based in equitable principles, what's fair. So if you're really giving something up for somebody and benefiting them, then our our laws say you should get something back for that. Either the value of what you gave, you know, or or an interest in something that you that you worked on, whether it be say working on a house or working on somebody's business, the give up is really important.
2: Okay, what else might be something that is part of you know what what makes a case strong?
3: Well, I think another thing, of course, is, is simply that one part party does have assets, because I think that um, you know if you're both on sort of equal footing. You know, you can't really create a story that, well, we were each earning about the same money, and we had this agreement that, you know, the other party would support me. That just isn't really going to fly. So one party needs to have um, a significant amount of uh, uh, wealth as opposed to the other party, you know, for these cases to be successful.
2: And if somebody has wealth and, you know, for it to be successful, still are you saying the court really, you know, that that wealth actually plays in it's, it's because they can afford to potentially not leave someone high and dry. I mean, is that what you're saying that, that the wealth actually plays into, if it's available and assets are possible, the court can be more flexible with what it does with awards?
3: No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that these are sort of key features of cases. And Um, there's a whole, I mean, typically people with wealth are people who are more sophisticated financially. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to create any stereotypes, but typically wealthy people maybe are educated, and and maybe the person who is, is sort of giving everything without asking any questions, without seeking any protections, is someone who is maybe more of a uh, you know just. Uh, just not as sophisticated when it comes to business matters. You know, doesn't understand that maybe they should have some kind of agreement in place or something. So I'm just saying this is a feature, but the really the reasons why it, it beca- can become in the, uh, important in the case really don't have anything to do with the money itself. It really has to do with, well, it, you know, people with with money tend to have certain characteristics, okay? Um, yeah. That maybe make them more sophisticated and more uh, prone to, whether intentionally or unintentionally, uh, you know, take advantage of somebody or or for someone else to let themselves be taken advantage of. That's all I'm saying.
2: Okay, and so it just it just seems like, and, and you're saying it, and I, I I think, and I'm hearing it. Yeah. It is so uncertain. It truly is so uncertain with these cases. And, and then even with the uncertainty, there's still a filtering process. In other words, anybody who walks through the door could be uncertain, but then lawyers need to really understand if they've at least been together a long time, if they've at least, and so you're saying that's kind of where the screening comes in. But with the uncertainty, you know, how do you avoid this? What, you know, what can anyone do different if you're going to be in a relationship with someone and then it might end? I mean, these are all really viable questions and concerns. How do, how do you avoid it?
3: Well, I think, and that is a, that is the issue. issue is um, how do you avoid it? It's 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 complicated because again, people start a relationship and they're not thinking it's going to be this long term, so they're not thinking long term, and then they find themselves year after year after year they're together with this person, you know, and everything is fine, but you know you don't, and then you don't think to write a contract because everything is fine, so it, uh, people don't do it. I mean, that really is uh, that, that is really how you avoid this. You have a, a, a specifically defined agreement that it lets everyone know what their rights are um and um, their expectations, and so that later on when things don't work out, everyone knows where they stand. You know, the problem with that, of course, is that when you're in a loving relationship with someone, um, it it, 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 it seems kind of cold to ask for an agreement like this. So people are very hesitant to do it. And that's really the problem. And and as we've talked before, you know, sometimes it is important to get uh, non-attorneys involved to sort of help people or couples with issues, you know, to, to 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 maybe soften the sort of cold contractual part of it. You know, if you get a professional in there to sort of be there to counsel people, you know, it, it can actually make it much easier to have an agreement that is fair and balanced. You know, the, one of the other problems with agreement is you get into sort of lawyer agreement mode and, and everyone's trying to get the best deal for themselves.
2: Right, right. That's That's what I was going to say is, Because, I mean, I have some thoughts on, you know, maybe best practices that I can think of, um, but but generally, if two people were advised of this or knew this themselves or thought of it or were getting really serious and said, you know, we really need to put something down on paper – they generally would call attorneys because it's because, you know, they're saying, you know, we love each other, but let's get some legal stuff down so we don't fight later. If they're actually that rational, which I agree with you, I, I don't think there's an ever an easy time to say, it. let's contract this. It's, it's you, you, most likely offensive to somebody. But, um, but do people come to lawyers? I mean, is, is it a, attorneys that they walk into and sit down and ask for that help usually? Like, we want to structure an agreement. Does that well, happen?
3: Yeah, that would be where it it would end up. And then what you would see typically is, you know, with with these kinds of agreements, you need to have two lawyers, one for each party. Otherwise, you risk the possibility that the whole agreement could just be tossed out by the court because one party was uh, under duress or wasn't. You know, being represented by someone when they entered into this agreement. So uh, you really need to have two lawyers on each side. And then what do you have? You've got two lawyers negotiating. You know, trying to get the best deal for their client. It's 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 not it's not a scenario that is going to be very conducive to preserving a relationship, and it's probably going to end up creating distrust among parties. That's why I'm saying that it's really important to take into consideration that this is not a it's just a business transaction. There's really, you know, there, there are emotions here. There's, there are feelings of love and caring for another person. And you want to preserve that during the process.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's so critical and um, and really insightful. And I think that, um, I, and that's why I asked do this, does the, you know, do people come to attorneys and say, so you do see this, but you have learned enough through your years to see what doesn't doesn't work it's best and yeah I'm making the cl- making it clear and I hope the listeners are listening so yes two attorneys you know you you want you want neutrality you need safety you you have to have it be fair and I think that um I again I have some thoughts on this we're going to go to break in just a, a minute so we have we still have a minute here but um but I do want to talk a little bit more about, you know, giving people some ideas or thoughts on how to do this. And, um, you know, and I also maybe want to talk a little more with, with, You, Sunana, on, well, I have a few other ideas, but how about we just wait till we come back from break and we'll keep on going because there's lots of stuff in my head that I'd like to ask you. So we are on Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. I am your host, Lindsay Levinson. We are here with our special guest attorney, Sunana Saberwal, and she can be found at S-A-B as in boy, L-A-W, office, that's all one word, sablawoffice.com. So... We are going to take a break. Please stay tuned. We have some good stuff coming up. We'll be right back.
4: There are over 140 million products manufactured worldwide. It is impossible to know the ingredients in these products, especially those made overseas. Stan Salat, Jr., President and CEO of the HSF Mark and the Counterfeit Mark Alliance, is the host of People to People, working together for your safety. Stan believes in our right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in consumer products and whether they are counterfeit. Find out how you can protect yourself Every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. There is a species that remains undiscovered by modern science. This species is known by many names, but most commonly known as Bigfoot. Join Todd Standing and Dr. Jeff Meldrum for Bigfoot North a program that sets out to uncover the species that has eluded modern science, but that does truly exist. Expert and celebrity guests will be on hand to discuss both the scientific evidence and conclusive fact of the species on this planet. Bigfoot North airs live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
1: You are tuned in to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. To connect with Lindsay or her guest, please call in to the show at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to lindsay244 at sbcglobal.net. That's l i n z i 244 at sbcglobal.net. Now,
2: back to Illuminating Now. Hi, we're back. This is Lindsay Levinson. You are listening to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets, and you are listening to our guest today, Sunana Saberwal. She is a Bay Area attorney and has been on the show prior and had a tremendous popularity, actually, around that show. So what that tells me is... A lot, a lot of people have interests. A lot of people have needs and questions. And Sunana and I were talking as we went to break about just what it is that uh, agreements need to be made if you want any chance at bringing this to a courtroom or to get any kind of ruling that you know, might put some safety into a situation where you're not married, a not marital status, and, um, but then you break up. And so we posed a lot of questions of what could happen to you. And they all sound kind of scary. So the answer was we could put together contracts. And then she and I were also addressing that that's not the easiest thing to do anytime. Not the first week you're dating someone. Not when you're in love with them. Not when you um, you know have been with them for many years. All of that can be offensive or difficult or a struggle. So... I kind of want to come back to that and and I think Sunana you've seen that right that it's it's tough in a room with lawyers or it doesn't even a lot of cases aren't even taken because it's it's so abstract with what some people's stories are is that true That's right Yeah so so I think that you know what we've talked about and I know that we had some of this on our last show and probably always will As you know, Sinan and I, um, we really, we agree on a concept, uh, certainly a concept of wellness, but that, that can sound a little foo foo when you're talking about the law but that legal can actually intersect with wellness and in fact we both agree we could turn up the volume on that a little bit we you know put things in categories and when it's all legal it can it can be harmful it can be unfair it can certainly be traumatic to go through and quite often someone else ends up with the control whether it's a judge whether it's a jury whether it's even an ordered mediator of the court, you know, somebody writes up something and it's not what you wanted. So I think we're both very big on negotiation. I think it's really important. I I, I want to say this. I think negotiation with emotion is never safe. I'll just go ahead. That I'll make that a Lindsayism. you know. I'm not saying it's, it's some real rule, but negotiation with emotion, if you're really emotional, it's not safe. So these cases, to me, would be the epitome of emotional because, you know, you're trying to figure out a love contract of some sort and how people shake out. Um, So I think structure becomes really important. Sometimes structure is really hard to live with and we don't really like it. But structure does give us some safety. So I think that if there's no real clear laws and safety when it comes to non-marital law, or maybe there are laws, but the non-marital law story is fuzzy. So it ends up creating high emotion. And my belief is also anxi- anxiety and panic. You know, So these are not the places you want to be either just with the partner that you have and trying to go through it in that kind of state. And you certainly don't really want to have an anxiety, panic, or anger when you're with lawyers in the room either. So I think that a coach, a counselor... A therapist, if it's anything that needs some clinical attention, you could be really sad and you know, really need to address some of the issues that have gone on even in the relationship. A mediator, conflict resolution specialist, but folks that have some training on what it is to be kept safe while negotiating and to maintain health. And, that, that, and those are different goals. We all have different professions and we have specialties and niches. And so, you know, I think you want to get in a room if you're going to sit down and do this kind of contract. Somebody like that, you would want to not, again, necessarily even be ordered from the court because it, it, it still goes back to the judge. You're talking about on your own saying, let's do this. So if you listeners are listening to this right now and you're thinking, I've been in a relationship for 10 years. I didn't even think about that. I, I'd like to do that. Then that's who I think you would look up. Counselors, coaches, conflict resolution. There's plenty of mediation outside the court, people who are skilled at this and, um, you know, certainly therapy and a therapist if that fits what you might need. So does that make sense? Do you agree with that?
3: I think that is a perfect description of what what I'm, what we're, you know, what we've been saying about this. This is just not uh, something that lawyers are trained to do. Now there are mediators. Many mediators are lawyers, and then they are also getting trained in some of these other areas. But you know, I think that um, even then, you know, you want someone on your side who can help you with your emotional. Uh, you know, your emotional concerns around what's going on. Um, I think it can be very helpful to have someone to talk to, someone. I think it's also important to understand where the other party is coming from, always. You know, it's very e- easy for lawyers to just advocate their their client's side of things, but I think you really have to take a global look at the relationship and what the parties really want out of it and try to make it, you know, make an agreement that is fair, that people can live by, um, and people in where they stand when things go south. And you know, I want to say, an agreement, there's so much creativity that can be drafted into an agreement. You know, I mean, you can have agreements that say somebody gets, you know, X amount of money or an increased interest in a business or something as time goes on, um, you know, in recognition for their. Uh, contribution to the relationship um, you can uh, you can uh, 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 offer you know a, a form of support for a period of time I mean things that make the relationship manageable you know the division of that relationship manageable for both sides and I think that um, it, it also serves to uh, prevent a lot of really bad feelings afterwards and there's no way to ratchet up bad feelings than to be embroiled in a lawsuit.
2: Right. I mean, and that's, and that's so much of, I think, what we're saying here. Kind of over and over, you know, the, this might show up in front of a court, it might show up in front of a jury, but again, the whole point, if you really get down to it and you really think about it, is relationship. I mean, that is what we're talking about. Now, nobody wants to be taken advantage of. I mean, our, our world isn't just relationship, it's two individuals. So as an individual... You don't want to lose everything. You don't want to think you were in a relationship that was affording you a certain lifestyle, or you did have a deal, or you did help with the business. And, you know, you never took a paycheck, of course, because, you know, we had a provider for life. These kinds of situations, you know, can shell shock us when something goes wrong and all of a sudden we're left without. So I'm just kind of bringing up both sides. Yes, as an individual, it is important to think about that love and relationship, you know, people want it. So it's easy to just sort of be quiet and kind of ride it through and think, you know, well, I'll know if there's a right time to contract something, but I just think we get along great, you know. So, I mean, it, as an individual it gets difficult, but really this is not anti-relationship. I mean, e- even though we're talking about lawyers and coaches and counselors and you know it c- it can sound like this is a rough spot but this you know much of what we're saying here is we're giving some strategies and we're trying to strengthen if you're listening out there and I bet there's so many of you because I think there's a lot of a trend toward not remarrying and and you know and maybe people never married but I mean there's you know with the divorce rate as high as it is a lot of people get together and it's not necessarily with marriage but they still have very long term relationships so We want to preserve that, and we're trying to offer you some options where you don't just start to slice and dice out bullets on a page with a lawyer or just get your story really in stone so you're ready to tell somebody and make them believe you, but sit down with your partner and then that safety person because I still say even with your partner, it is emotional, so, it starts to hurt people's feelings when there's just two of you in a room and you're both trying to say, I think I would get that right. Well, no, I would get that, I think. I, and then all of a sudden, somebody's hurt. But a, a third person has creative ways to get through those very tough moments or very, you know, things that, that mountains that don't move all of a sudden move when you have somebody with some strategies, some help, and that cares about your health. So, I know I kind of went back to that, but I just, I know sometimes when we talk about, anything to do with breaking up or contracts or protection. It feels like we're talking to maybe some of the audiences that are having problems. And I'm saying for the perfect relationships, you should be considering this because this can be preservation of your relationship that you're able to just know you're safe and you know, you've agreed on something and now you can really just enjoy the relationship without ever having to be scared. So, I don't Again. think it could
3: be put any better than that. I think that's that's, that's that's a great way of putting it, really. It's to have this agreement in place so that you feel safe and you can enjoy each other. I think that is exactly why people should have these agreements. Now, you know, another issue, though, that comes up is, well, when do I time this thing? You know, how do you time an agreement like this? I mean, people are not going to run to an attorney after the first date, right? right. And, oh. and, you know, and so, you know, when do you time something like this? And I, I, I think that, you know... If if you both are basically equally on equal financial ground when you are um, together, you probably don't need an agreement like this. Okay, Um, if nobody has really had to sacrifice a career or sacrificed assets or something like that, you don't. You probably aren't going to need an agreement like this. Um, but if, if, uh, if, if one party starts to, you know, uh, their career takes off, they're, they're, they're acquiring assets, they have, you know, stock that goes through the roof or they have, and they start to accumulate wealth, that's when you really need to start having, you know, a conversation about maybe we need an agreement here so that we're not feeling distrustful of one another or worried or panicked about what, what should happen if things don't work out.
2: Um, I do. So, I totally hear you, and I can see that, and I can see the exact opposite, which is the part just that, how interesting what you're saying, like, it really makes so much sense. But then if you're in the couple, and you are equals, you probably don't need the agreement, you said that, makes total sense. And then you're talking about, but then, yeah, now someone is going to give up a job, or someone is going to, you know, invest something that was their inheritance, or something like that, and... I think it's interesting that it is I guess it's not so much that I don't agree it just really points to what we're saying here which is that juncture is very sensitive. I just don't think it's it will be obvious it like you're going to give your inheritance and put my or you're, let's let's say you're going to add my name to the house. It was always yours, it was handed down but you know he might say let's just say it was his name on the house. I think it's time we just write something up since I'm going to go ahead and add your name. You know, if anything would happen, of course it was my house. And, but don't you think that gets really sensitive? It's at the moment that something great is happening to someone that it's time to document. You're not going to get it later. If something goes wrong, you get that, right? right. <laughs> yeah. Those conversations. And I think that's what both Sunana and I are advocating so strongly is that, there isn't, there isn't the right time to have this contract set up. There isn't the great time to have the agreement. But probably what might generate somebody to even think about it is a change of circumstance where you, know, you are sacrificing or you are sharing or you are, you know, but that's only on the assumption that it's you know forever. And, um, and quite often that just drives back home to the point of that's a moment of key emotion because somebody's saying, let's do this. 'Cause I just want to make sure. And the other one's saying, Do you think we're not gonna be together? Why why do we have to sign a contract? I mean, if you put my name on the house, then that means we're building a life, you know? And so that's why. That's the exact moment that you you just set up an appointment with someone who can just talk through this stuff with you and you'd be shocked how much you can get through and do really well with it. But um but I really back you on that, Sunan, as far as just when, you know, it's that that's really Interesting that there's not even some laws, like, you know, that would almost be helpful if there were laws. Within two years of being together, you must file something, or you can't do it until 10 years, you know what I mean? But it's like, it's really just so, it's whatever anybody chooses for themselves, and people don't really think this way, so I think... Yeah, you know, I think you, if
3: people want to be conservative about it, there, there's this, I mean, I guess the term is anti-Marvin law. You can if you're in a relationship or and if you want to start having this discussion early on, maybe because that might actually be healthy a healthy time to do it. When people are, I mean, now as I think of it, I hear you talking, you know, you, you one could make an argument that it would actually be uh, the best time to bring it up because you're not deeply emotionally entrenched. You know, the feelings are not going to be so hurt. I mean, if you bring it up years later, then you're right. It raises a red flag. Oh, why are you thinking of leaving me? You know, maybe if you start the conversation early, Um, So people can have what are called anti-Marvin agreements. They can get together early on and say, look, let's just be really clear. What you have is going to be yours. What I have is going to be mine. If we choose to share something like buy a piece of property, then we're going to have an agreement that says only if we both take title will we have an ownership interest in it. You You can set that all out early. And then as time goes on, you can modify it or alter it as the circumstances may require. You know, one person, you have a child with this person. Now you're not able to earn the money you did you know at that point you might say well this agreement isn't going to work for us right now we need to alter it you know if you kind of have that conversation early on maybe 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 that is you know one of the ways of uh, dealing with it i really think you have to you know it really depends on people's personalities but that could actually be a good time to 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 start this conversation and then change it as circumstances change
2: yeah okay. yeah and that makes sense and and I like that too, because it just, it builds. Um, I guess I'll say, you know, um, in, in our world, maybe in psychology, we call it modeling, but you know, you, you build modeling, you build a way of thinking. So if it, if it becomes simple in the beginning, like, well, we don't, I don't have anything more than you and you, you know, let's just write this that no, you know, what's mine's mine, what's yours, yours, no one's zero. But like you're saying, and then there's terms of if we do these things, we'll change it later. But now, if you just really entered into that, it, you've already built a foundation. You already have a foundation of thinking, which is contractual. And, and it doesn't, no one gets anything from anyone. You know, it's a really simplistic and non, what I call non-heated, non-charged situation. But then, you're right, something changes and it makes total sense. Of course you're going to talk about your contract. You have one. So it's it it's a total way of thinking that I think would be really healthy to sort of instill right from the get-go when no one is feeling risky and everyone and and no, especially if they're equals, you know, it's just like really easy. Yeah. You have yours. I have mine. We're good. You know, and then later, Oh, our contract should probably be changed because something's switched. So anyway, I, I think this is all so interesting. And, um, and, and so, so anti-Marvin is a, that's an actual law. Like, well, that's just a term, you
3: know, these are uh terms that we can use. The concept is basically by us living together and um, sharing some things, that doesn't mean we have ownership in each other's things, okay? And so it just really spells it out, that that's not what we're doing by living together um, and being in a romantic relationship. We are not having that
2: kind of an agreement. I gotcha. And so are there any cases, are there any, you know, anything specific that stands out for you where you know this this, you know, was brought to the court and...
3: Well, I mean, I can actually talk, well, I, and I'm obviously not going to reveal any confidentiality of any anybody, but I can give you scenarios of, of, of situations where I have had to deal with these issues and just to give you a sense of, you know, how, how is it that these cases come about and um, I might give you an example of, you know, someone starts a business it's a very small business you know, it's barely making any money and, um, and then another person comes into their life and, you know, it's a very they want to be together and they want to be together during the day too, so, you know, she starts working in the business and um, and she's contributing I mean, she, the business is starting to grow, and, and, and she's becoming savvy at it also. But everything's in his name. You know, everything, the lease, the, everything, the name of the business is, you know, everything's in his name, and she has nothing. And they, the, the relationship goes on and on like this for, for, you know, over a decade, for almost 20 years. The business grows from something very small to something very large, and then something happens, you know the relationship falls apart or a party dies or something and then and there's nothing there the house isn't in her name the cars aren't in her name there's not a single bank account in her name and she's literally, literally homeless and has nothing to her name you know and then 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 so you know so that would be a situation where getting a lawyer might be a good idea because you have you have really put a lot of sweat equity into something and made it grow you know, yeah. so that would be an example.
2: That makes a lot of sense. What about like ordinary, um, or ordinary homemaking? Like, does anyone, you know, give value if you're not married and, you know, but somebody really supports the home. So somebody else can really, you know, travel a lot and flourish with the business, but they would never be able to, all the things that are happening at home or, you know, they, to hire a house manager would cost a lot of money to do all those things. You know, does anyone take that into consideration in court?
3: Absolutely. the, the- courts do recognize that um, providing homemaking services has a value and um, it can be a su- sufficient consideration or give, give up, um, you know, to create an agreement between two people. You know, yeah. so the, the law at least recognizes there's value in that um, and certainly, certainly that can be a basis.
2: Um, and, and property, would that be... Something that, you know, you either did sign the title or you didn't, I mean, is that just black and white or that can be considered too, just if you have a story to tell of how you thought you. Well, it is
3: possible to have an interest in property even if you're not on the title. Now, uh, the only caveat to that is that the burden of proof is much higher because, uh, the courts, the law says that if something is in writing recorded, you know, with the county recorder, that says, well, that speaks a lot about how the ownership of that property should be. But it is possible to have an interest in property if you have, you know, if you can provide enough evidence to convince a court or a jury that, that that is, you know, that you had an interest in the property. Yeah. So it is difficult to, it is, it is more difficult to assert an interest in property if
2: you are not on the title. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. You know, our shows fly by. They literally fly by, especially. I, I want to, first of all, just thank you for being on the show today, Sunana. I have a couple of closing things I have to do, but thank you so very much. It, I just have loved talking about this and you're just a wealth of knowledge. So thank you.
3: And thank you. I think your insight has also helped me think about some things as well.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, I, I love when we strategize together. So this is great. And the greatest news of all is Sunana's coming back next week because we really listen to you, the listeners, who, like I said, it was really just overwhelming what we saw was the interest in, in the divorce topic. Um, I will just tell you, you can also look up Divorce Alternative Center. Those are three words, DivorceAlternativeCenter.com. And that's another website to check out for some ideas. But next week, we're going to touch on custody. We're going to get into the issues of custody and decisions and child preference and, and, you know, just how courts decide things or who decides things or does a child get a say or a parent get to influence a child or, you know, there's just so many. So I bet right now, if I stop and ask all of you to think, are you going through something with custody? Have you in your life? And if, if you're answering no to both, I'll bet you know someone who is. So I just want to, you know, bring it to your attention to tell everybody to listen next week because I think it's a show that really will affect a lot of people. My Lindsay's Life Secret. It's really what we harped on on this show. Seek counsel, and I mean a counselor, I mean a coach, I mean a mediator, conflict resolution, therapist, um, you know, whatever it is, and it, and it could very well be a lawyer, but, it, you know, some training in psychology, some training in health so that you do not feel so exposed. The more you stand to lose, the more you really need to step up to build some structure, which is that third person. And that will help you integrate your emotions into the negotiations. So that's the Lindsay Live secret. It's critical to bring a third party in when you are emotional and it's time to negotiate. I want to give you addresses again. I know we sort of speed through these things, but Facebook if you have any comments on this or feedback, um, again, you can certainly say them on Facebook at Illuminating Now, all one word. I'd love you to follow us on Twitter, which is just at sign illuminating Now. And I really, really encourage you to look at the website, S-A-B as in boy, L-A-W, office, sablawoffice.com, so that you can decide if you might like to just give Sunana a ring and see if there's something that you might want to be working on. Thank you so much for choosing us. I really, really appreciate that you do. And again, next week's going to be great talking about custody. Very informative. Have a great week in the meantime. Thanks for joining.
1: Thanks for joining us for Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Please join Lindsay Levinson again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week.